exactly. Anyway, let's get into the next uh, chat now. As we said, unemployment figures among young people living with disabilities are said to be close to 70% and 40% more than the figures of the general population. Activists say this is yet another indication of the exclusion of this community, which forms 14% of South Africans. So what are the barriers and what can role players do to improve this situation? So we're joined on the line now by Tarina Wenzel Dutoy, who is National Director at the National Council for Persons with Physical Disabilities. Tarina, thank you for joining us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and I'm so impressed because you've got all your figures and statistics totally correct because most people don't, but <laughs> but yeah. You got it. <laughs> well, thanks. I mean, uh, well, I mean, let's talk about uh, the barriers then that uh, people with uh, physical disabilities face. If we talk of uh, the the workplace, first of all, employers needing to accommodate the needs of people with disabilities. Where does it begin for an employer to get into the mind or the life or the shoes of a person uh, with disabilities? Um, I think the legislation is something that has helped quite a bit. I'm talking about the BE legislation as well as employment equity. Um, but the fact that it, it's not very well policed is, is a challenge for us, obviously. Um, but what we do as a national body, and we are um, represented in all the provinces in South Africa, we do what we call sensitization or disability equity training for um, employers and we also do, for persons with disabilities themselves, for them we do um, job preparation so that we prepare both sides um, so that when there's an opportunity that the kind of, um, can I say, strangeness and preconceived ideas has been addressed. So we find that if an employer starts by not just saying, please give me a CV, I want to reach my targets, but if people can say, please come and sensitize us so that we look at what does it mean to have an inclusive workplace, then it really, really helps a lot. Mm. So if we talk about recruitment and the selection of process for people with disabilities, how do employers make sure that job advertisements are accessible to people with disabilities? Well, most persons with disabilities do access the mainline media. Um, Blind people obviously have screen readers. Um, Most people who are who have gone to school do have access to information and communication, but it does help if it gets circulated to the organizations like ourselves so that we can place it on our social media platforms and on our groups and so on. And very often, like our Council for Persons with Disabilities, we keep a database of people who are preferred employers Um, who are open for employing people with disabilities and we keep a database of job seekers. And we do not keep people on the database very long because we are quite successful in placing people. So I think um, mainstream media is good, but also organizations of and for persons with disabilities who have got specific contacts and groups and and, um, word of mouth in, in our sector, in the disability sector. Mm. If we talk not just physical disabilities, but mental disabilities as well, uh, is testing something that uh, employers should be carrying out? And how do they determine the health status of a person? Uh, should uh, you know they need to do that? And how should that be carried out so that it doesn't discriminate against anyone? Um, we have got a program 
to assist people with disclosure in the workplace, we find that there's a lot of people um, with the more the, the disabilities that are not so visible. Mm. Um, lots of people are employed, but they struggle and suffer without reasonable accommodation because they're scared to disclose. Yeah. So we do disclosure programs with companies, and then they find that people do come forward because we then create a safe environment and understanding with the employer and the employee um, to manage reasonable accommodation to the benefit of both. But in terms of of like preparing before you start employing people, um, we also assist by guiding employers within the interview process so that the interview process embraces the, the inclusivity of workplaces and the rights of everybody, the equal rights. Um, and it's, it is the right of the employer as well to ask people um, about the reasonable accommodation that is required. It's obviously not good to, to ask people about um, all sorts of things which, which might be very embarrassing to talk about in an interview, but it's, mm. it's definitely people's right to ask about what reasonable accommodation is required. And if that is hidden away, um, and then people come later and, and require reasonable accommodation, then it's a little bit more of a difficult journey. And then it's, it's very difficult for a person with disability to come and claim rights for reasonable accommodation if that hasn't been disclosed. And as the word says, reasonability is both for the employer and the employee. So it's also mm. not reasonable to the employer if they do not know up front what will be required so that they can also make sure not to discriminate, um, but also to make sure that it will be a good job fit. If you have questions and uh, maybe comments uh, for our topic, you can call in on 011-714-2006. We're talking uh, barriers and what role players can do to improve the situation, uh, specifically in the work situation for persons with uh, disabilities. Send your voice notes to 061-410-4107. I'll chat uh, with uh, Tarina wenzel Dutoy, National Director at the National Council for Persons with Physical Disabilities continues after this. Stay with us. The Talking Point on SAFM. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We're leading the conversation on uh, persons with uh, disabilities in the workplace and what role players can do to improve their situation and what the barriers are with uh, Terina wenzel Dutoy, National Director at the National Council for Persons with Physical Disabilities. So, Terina, I mean, it's one thing to make sure that uh, there is equal representation or, um, you know, equal opportunity for people with disabilities, but also career advancement, which is what, you know, everybody would want. Once you've got the job, you want to develop your career. So how should then be uh, the people with disabilities be accommodated when it comes to this, uh, be consulted on their career advancement and uh, their possible needs so that they can, you know, advance and go forward? It it should be no different than for any other employee in in the workplace. Um, We know that there's situations where, say, for example, a company would make one division of the organization's building accessible for somebody who's, for example, a wheelchair user, and then everybody else does job rotation, so they go to various um, departments or divisions in the building for job rotation, and then those areas are not accessible, and then obviously that 
directly discriminates against mm. the opportunities for this person to do job rotation so that the person can be considered for a job in another department. And um, again, we, we try and not be the, like the trade union that walks into the workplace and tries to fight for the rights, but we really try and bridge the gap and try and create understanding on the side of the employer that um, it's not good enough. It's actually really, really very discriminatory to make one place accessible and the rest keeps this person for, from advancing their career. Mm. So it's a process that, that must be exactly the same as with everybody else. And um, the fact that we do job preparation and also try and place people who can stand up for their own rights and not always have to fall back on an organization, not, not that that's bad at all, so that people can really talk their way through this with the employer and then also show that by their own productivity and attitude that they're positive and will be a further asset to the organization or to the company if their careers can can be advanced just like anybody else. And also what's great, if an employer is happy with the employment of somebody with a disability, um, which is mostly the case, then that entry-level position again becomes available for another person with disability, when somebody who's been placed there initially, that person's job um, or career has now been advanced and that person moves into something else. But we do also realize, especially now in COVID time mm. and with a terrible economy, that people are losing jobs, and that includes everybody, persons with and without disabilities. So obviously that places the onus on us to also be more innovative and find other ways. Um, for example, there is the notion that people with disabilities work easier from home, which is just the case because of inaccessibility of the environment, not that persons with disabilities prefer to work from home. Um, there are some persons with and without disabilities who, who prefer to work from home for various reasons, but it is now an option for persons with disabilities to offer their services as a work-from-home employee. And then also, we have started a couple of years ago uh -huh. an excellent enterprise development and job creation program. We do realize that not everybody can be an entrepreneur, but there are lots of people out there who are struggling to find their place in, in, a, in a job, in a formal job with a boss. Whereas that person do have the innovation and the motivation and the drive and the knowledge to become an entrepreneur, but just needs that first support to get over the, the first barriers of getting there. And we also want to invite employers to contact us because it is also good for somebody's BE profile, but also the, the fact that it's just the right thing to do. It, it calls for diversity and inclusivity and... Um, that's the way to go. That is what we all have to do. We, we need to reflect um, the, dem the demographics of the country. We need to be open. We need to embrace each other. <laughs> I mean, not physically, obviously, in this time. Mm -mm. But um, <laughs> it is really, really a very good option for some people. And having said that, we also run job creation programs, which we then manage because, we, as I said, we can't expect everybody to be a business person. Mm. We, I'm, for example, not a business person at all. I need to do a job and be paid for it and have a boss. Mm. But um, there's a lot of people that that need 
to do something to have an opportunity to engage meaningfully with the economy but have somebody else managing the project and and we've got loads of those programs some of them are agricultural in nature some are with the mining industry some of them are in the tourism and curio industry and some of them are service providing in nature some of them are assembly work and so on so there's so many options to ensure that a person with disability in, in this very difficult time can be economically active. And um, then there's, there's also like the public works programs and so on, which historically excluded people with disabilities because the assumption is that person persons receiving a grant is all well away. And firstly, not all persons with disabilities receive grants, and then even people who do, they need the grant for paying for the disability-related expenses, not for a livelihood. Mm. So everybody needs an income. So there's, there's various options if people really want to, and um, we are so ready to to support. This is what we do. This is what we love doing. This is our passion and and what we are good at. All right, we've got a voice note. Uh, let's just take a listen. Morning, Asanda. Thank you for a lovely show, as always. Asanda, I wanted to just find out if a person is disabled and if they have a comorbidity, what would happen if they travel with public transport? Because I am blind and I have to travel daily with two transport in the morning to work and two in the afternoon. I just wanted to find out about that because it is very, very scary, you know, with a blind person and disabled people moving around. I try as far as possible to make very less movement, but, you know, a person's job is so important, so you've got to think very very carefully that is just one of my concerns that is what i wanted to know thank you so much have a lovely day all right uh, tarina uh, anonymous is blind and she has to use uh, public transport to travel yeah. to and fro work what kind of support can her employer give her first what what comes to mind is obviously that uh, the question, and she's got such a beautiful voice. <laughs> the question is related to to COVID at this moment, if she may, because she mentions comorbidities. So I think what first comes to mind is the, the the issue of negotiating to work from home. Obviously, we don't know what what kind of work she does, but if she could work from home at least until um, things are safer outside and safer to use transport, and other than that, is just to take the maximum precautions that any anybody else who is not not blind um, would take if they had to travel and using public transport, and hopefully she can play a role in telling or at least requesting kindly to the person who she travels with to also sanitize and and wear the mask and also sanitize the vehicle. It doesn't sound as if she's u- using a minibus taxi, but um, I would say first try and work from home and if not 
if there's a possibility to start a lift club with somebody else that is in the same employment or in the same building or in the same area so that there's least people in the car. But otherwise, exactly the same precautions that that our president is, is asking us to keep when we are traveling in, in public transport. I'm sorry that we can, cannot say that public transport in South Africa is really user-friendly for persons with disabilities. It's something which we are working very hard on with the National Department of Transport. Mm. And um, it's a very slow process with many frustrations on our side, I can promise you that. But we're a whole team that is um, involved in the advocacy that is is really trying our utmost best to change the situation with regard to public transport and people with disabilities. And just to acknowledge uh, that, you know, on SFM, we know we uh, commemorated World Braille Day yesterday. So we'll be definitely talking about that tomorrow and just the plight of uh, people with blindness or people with that uh, particular disability. In terms of retaining people with disabilities in the workforce, are you finding that that, that is what employers actually uh, prioritize, retaining not just uh, you know employing people with disabilities to meet quotas, but to retain them, to make sure that they feel supported in their struggles and they are not compelled to terminate their employment because they are struggling? You know, unfortunately, the, the answer to this is a negative one. Um, what we find, first of all, when people are, are trying to employ people with disabilities, and I cannot generalize, but majority of people who are looking for people to place in internships, learnerships, and, yeah. and full-time employment, they would contact us and want to see these, and normally they want them soon. Um, like the date for them to start is around the corner, and then people are asking for CVs. And then when we tell them that you know it's it's a we we recommend a bit more of a process than just passing on a cv Mm. first of all employers are not prepared to pay for recruitment of people with disabilities and again i can't generalize but this is our our experience mostly people normally have a recruitment agency that they work with most probably got that agency through some sort of a tender or selection process then they find that this company cannot support them with the employment of people with disabilities. And then they contact us and other organizations like us on an ad hoc basis, wanting people with disabilities to be placed for free. And unfortunately, we are not government subsidized. Mm. We also have to, you know, make ends meet. We need to pay for our service, for what we do and maintain infrastructure and pay for very, very well-trained and very good um, efficient staff. So that's where the first thing starts going wrong because if we want to place somebody properly and find the correct person, then we need to charge for the service and then people can expect a superb service with excellent follow-up. So if people are just grabbing a CV and appoint somebody and then they do their reporting, it's likely that that person within a few months will no longer be there and then the process starts over and over and over again. Um, So for me, it's a matter of if people are serious about it and it's not just to quickly get the point and tomorrow it's gone again, then people need to go through the disability equity training. They need to understand what reasonable accommodation is. And it's not a cumbersome, horrible process. Um, Our our teams who go out and do the sensitization are persons with disabilities who are, first of all, role models to show that persons with disabilities 
are very well equipped to deal with matters with an audience, with high-level management, address matters that can be um, difficult ones, thorny issues. Um, so that's really the starting point. We do it with a lot of humor. There's use of multimedia. We just ask for three hours, and then this this training happens. Then we've got another team, with not not the same people, who can be called in to look at the accessibility of the venue, not just on the physical side, but also with regards to hearing loss, people with other psychosocial um, challenges and so on, because there's so much that can be done to, just to create a more mm. uh, friendly workplace for, for um, retaining people. But I think mostly why people are not retained is because of this quick placement of thinking, okay, well, it's so easy. I'll just find a CV and I'll just put the person there and then that person will not cope. Yeah. And the other people in the in the organization will most probably not cope or they will ignore the person or they'll feel uncomfortable or they'll do the wrong things and it's just a complete misfit. All right, well, you do say uh, you've got job creation programs and you offer support in different ways as the National Council of Persons with Physical Disabilities. So how do uh, people get a hold of you? Um, my, my email address is Terina, which is my first name, T-H-E-R-I-N-A, Terina, T-H-E-R-I-N-A, at N-C-P-D, N for National, P for Persons, Sorry, N N for National, C for Council, P Mm -hmm. for Persons, um, and then D for Disability, dot org dot ZA. Terina dot NCPD dot org dot ZA. And um, I'm going to give my cell number, but I do not take calls, but people can feel free to send WhatsApp messages or SMSs. Okay. It's 083 255 Four oh eight three two double five six eight five four. Thank you so much again uh, for coming through, uh, Tarina, and uh, great for all that you do. Please continue to do that. Uh, have a great day. And Sandra, thank you so much for giving space on on your program for this very important topic. Pleasure. Tarina Wenzel Dutoy is National Director at the National Council for Persons with Physical Disabilities. So you can send a WhatsApp for questions and uh, support that you need as a person with a disability. WhatsApp her on 083-255-6854. And you can email Tarina, that's T-H-E-R-I-N-A, at ncpd.org.za. As we said, World Braille Day was observed yesterday, so tomorrow here on The Talking Point we'll be talking about that and the plight of uh, people who are blind. So uh, coming up at 12 is going to be Update at Noon with Elvis Preslin. And uh, just to throw forward to that in terms of what they'll be talking about, uh, this is what we spoke about also here on The Talking Point, the six young girls who were admitted at Polonomy Hospital after drinking a homemade concoction they consumed on New Year's Eve in Terflachter in Bloemfontein Free State. Two of them have died, so they'll be talking about that, uh, or Elvis. And then also five men accused of killing two business women in Limpopo have been denied bail by the Pulukwane Magistrates Court in Limpopo. So stay tuned uh, for that at 12. Uh, make sure you stay here on SFM. Of course, after that will be Life Happens with Pimelo Mutene. That's from 1 till 3. And then from 3 till 6 is Beyond the Headline 
with our new member, Aldrin Sampier. But the talking point continues, and uh, we'll be with you in uh, for about another, uh, is it 20 minutes? Yes, 20 to 21 minutes. We'll take some of your voice notes and hear what you have to say in terms of what we've covered so far. Let's take a break now, though.